Welcome to Motherhood Behind the Scenes. I'm Jennifer Norris-Hale with Mission Motherhood, and today's guest is one of my idols in motherhood. She is a mom, and I'm not quite sure what else she does. She's going to explain that, I think. We'll figure it out towards the end. <laughs> um, but she is an advocate for all people. But when we first met, um, she was relatively new mom, um, in the thick of things, and we just really bonded over our motherhood experience. So please help me to welcome Miss Kristen Giant. I can hear the crowd roaring. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. No, stop, please, really. <laughs> it's so wonderful to yeah, be here with thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So you do a lot. So you do a lot. And <laughs> <Yeah>, full <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Period. Um, and, but one of the things that I love to talk to you about and like kind of follow you um, on your journey is your experience with motherhood because it is so vulnerable, it is very raw, and it's very much a something that I personally relate to. Um, becoming a mom was, it, I suppose, um, on the opposite side of that, becoming a mom was not something I ever thought would <laughs> be a, a part of my path. Um, but on the flip side, you've said that being a mom is something you had kind of dreamed of being or was part of that experience. Yeah. So why don't we just start there? Yeah, I think it's perfect. <laughs> Young Kristen. <laughs> so yeah, newborn Kristen, let's start at the beginning. Um, I teach high school, that's one of the things I do, and they have like bets every day on how long it'll take me to go into a British accent. <laughs> and I think that was a record breaker of 12 seconds. I always knew I wanted to be a mom. In fact, I used to beg my grandmother to, I didn't understand really how motherhood babies, anything worked. I was like, could you just get a baby, hear me out, <laughs> and then I have it. Mm -hmm. Like some of my earliest memories, we're talking about that, just like wanting a baby um, and not a child, you know, not like to be a mom. I just wanted a baby mm -hmm. so bad. And the incredible irony of that is so far, and I'm six years into motherhood, babyhood was the worst mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I have women in my, in my orbit who keep having babies they like babyhood so much they love mm -hmm. the newborn phase they love little babies um, and i really i thought with my whole heart that that was what i wanted um, and in fact we fought really really freaking hard to become parents to a baby um, we went through about two years of infertility two miscarriages and then being a mom to babies almost mm -hmm. killed me mm -hmm. <laughs> not physically like it does for some women um, but but mentally it was um, it was such such an unexpected struggle and there are so many parts of it that i enjoyed but um, that actual world of baby just was so unbelievably hard mm -hmm. and i wanted it so bad and that gap between what i thought the dream would be and what it was 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 when you met me right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes over a little quiche we were yeah. talking about. <laughs> good quiche. Damn good quiche. <laughs> we remember our food days. we do um, but yeah, I, that is a really major disconnect for a lot of moms too, Under, having this expectation, unrealistic expectation of what motherhood will be and then what it actually is. And mm -hmm. so again, kind of referencing the fact that this isn't 20 years ago motherhood, this is like fresh new motherhood. This is mm -hmm. when the, within the past five years and still not having the, the people around us to kind of guide us through it or the experiences to help us mm -hmm. support us through it. Yeah. Um, or you know, leaning on other people. I think a source of extra guilt, um, because we have like your basic generic mom guilt, you know, like Kroger brand mom guilt <laughs> um, that we all sort of have by virtue of being alive. And I think that that's a survival tool, mm -hmm. right? It keeps you 
waking up. It keeps you feeding your kid. It keeps you doing what you need to do. Um, and then when you layer privilege on top of that, so one of the things that I really struggled with is I have one of the most epic villages. I mean, it was a tug of war with my incredible mother-in-law. She wanted the baby more than I was willing to give her the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, you know, fi- you know, my, my finances in order, my, my body worked, breastfeeding came naturally to me. Both of my births were uneventful. Um, I had, you know, I hate this phrase, I hate to even say it, but I had good babies, right? Mm-hmm. And I still suffered. Mm-hmm. I still suffered massively. And um, we were just talking in the break about support groups, about everywhere I went, it was moms who had a good reason to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And then there was me who was like extra miserable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would tell anyone who listened that I didn't enjoy being a mom. Um, yeah. And that idea that postpartum depression and anxiety, both of which I suffered from, they are, they are not situational necessarily. Yeah. So it's not that I didn't have a village. It's not that I didn't, you know, that I lost out on my breastfeeding journey that I'm at. None of that happened. Mm-hmm. And I was still freaking miserable so much of the time. Do you, can you pinpoint as to, or upon reflection, like what, where do you think that was a result of? I, yeah. And I preface that because I had anxiety that I didn't know about going into pregnancy. So I hadn't had the tools to understand what it really was Mm. and layer on top being a mom and everything else. So how did you? All of my coping skills were dependent on me having copious amounts of time for myself. Mm. Yeah. They were all, they were, all of my coping skills had to do with time. And I didn't know that. I didn't know they were coping skills. I didn't know that I was a high functioning depressive. I didn't know that I was a high functioning anxious person. Um, a high func- I mean, I have severe ADHD, but a part of how I was functioning so highly pre-children was that all my time was my own. Mm-hmm. So I could take naps, I could exercise for hours, I could journal, I could pick up my guitar and sing, I could spend quality time with people. My cup was always full mm-hmm. um, because I had time to fill it. And I think I, I, there was a period when I had a two-year-old and a newborn where I would jokingly say, I think I'm just too selfish to enjoy mm motherhood Um, and I've started working on flipping that a little bit of like I need to learn new ways to care for myself is that what you heard yourself say or was that something that you felt other people were saying to you back with like so if I if if the Kroger mom guilt was just like mom guilt the extra layers of designer mom guilt I had had to do with the fact that you know I have supportive parents. My mom was here. She was helpful. You know, we had a village. I had an employer who allowed me to pump on the job and leave when I needed to. Um, So that sense of like, if I couldn't enjoy it, then I must be selfish. I think that was, you know, me to me. Mm -hmm. I don't really think I was hearing that from people. And and in some ways, that's the nature of anxiety Mm -hmm. is it's a liar. Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't have to have other liars around you. Anxiety does a good enough job on its own. (laughs) So as you're and you're working through that prior to having kids and going through the loss, were you actively in therapy or were was that something that was continu- you yeah. were continuing through? Yeah, I've been okay. in therapy for for most of my adult life. Yeah. Okay. And when you experienced your your two losses, um, your first two, how was that taking back for you as far yeah. as it, in a previous kind of conversation we talked about? you know, it, we thought it would just come easily and yeah. it doesn't always come easily. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm so grateful to be one of the moms who gets to come out of loss with kids. 
and. So there's no part of me that wishes it was different. Um, but when you are a part of that community who loses a baby, who loses a pregnancy, and then ends up freaking so busy with kids for the next 18 years, yeah. I have this ongoing question of like, where is that grief stored in my body? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I lost pregnancies, which is a painful, bloody mess. And then as soon as my body was done bleeding, I'm trying to get pregnant again. Mm -hmm. um, of course, because it's just like with any grief, right? You're like, I mean, I saw this blanket and I just wanted to wrap it around <laughs> okay, myself. We're going there. We're going. So you're like, okay, everything hurts and I'm so sad and yeah. let's get pregnant to fix the sad. Yeah. Um, but we all know that grief exists alone yeah. for the activity. So I think in many ways, like leaving leaving like the land of babies, which I'm out of, I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. It's like, if I look at it, I realize I've had the grief for these two lives that weren't, you know, that just weren't, mm -hmm. it's still in my body somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think, you know, I've been very public about my miscarriages, mm -hmm. which helps a bit, you know, anything with light on it is better. Um, but it's like with anything, it's like, okay, so am I allowed to have a mental breakdown eight years after I lost yes. a baby? Or <laughs> like, where do I, do I schedule yeah. time? Do I put it in my Google calendar <laughs> of like, let's mourn the loss of, and I mean, interestingly, or not interestingly, it's like totally messed up. I had my first miscarriage on Mother's Day, oh <laughs> which was gosh. like also my law school graduation. Um, and Mother's Day has always felt loaded ever since then. And then I had, <laughs> I had my second miscarriage in the middle of my like wedding reception, um, like a giant pad on actively miscarrying while everyone was congratulating us on our wedding. And of course, asking us when we were going to start a family and I'm actively losing a pregnancy oh that goodness. I very much, you know, very, very much wanted. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's layers of like what women carry. Mm -hmm. um, and I wore this shirt that says be nice because I never ever asked anyone when they were going to start a family again. Mm -hmm. And I had been guilty of that. Um, I, I just think about like, even if it's just menstruating, like the weight that women are carrying all the time and men, mm -hmm. of course, but just this idea of like treating myself with softness and treating the people around me with softness. Um, because you know, I am a lost mother. I lost the lost community as soon as I had a successful pregnancy, mm -hmm. which is something that I've never really gotten to mourn. Um, you also leave the infertility club the minute you have a, you know, a pregnancy that sticks. Mm -hmm. um, places where I'd received a ton of support. And I think that's it as mothers, is we're constantly, we're doing what, what women do, which is build beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that women do is leave those beautiful things, mm -hmm. get forced out, leave, whatever. And mm -hmm. then we go build beautiful things. And I think we still feel really sad for the ones we got to leave behind. Yeah, but you're constantly, I, like even your shirt too, we're constantly fighting battles that nobody knows about. Yeah. Um, the layers of motherhood, the guilt of motherhood. Um, you know, if, if we didn't have these conversations or share our own stories in general with our friends and our family, we need to be able to share what losses mean to us um, so that somebody else can learn and somebody else can know that they can be supported yeah. and that they're, that they're not alone. But mm. um, I just, I'm sorry. Oh no, it's okay. I, what you just said made me think of something that my husband 
um, said when we were going through infertility that made me so mad at the time. And like a lot of his wisdom, it really ticks me off in real time. And then I give it some space and I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right again. <laughs> um, he's incredibly wise and a little bit less tactful than he is wise. But I remember when all I wanted was to be pregnant is he said, like, do you really, are you considering that there's gonna be a kid on the other side of this? Mm. Because you're obsessing about pregnancy. Um, and I think if I could go back and talk to that Kristen and talk to Kristen in the early years of both of my children's life and maybe talk to anyone that's watching this and is struggling with whatever phase they're in is like parenthood um, and the journey, the whole journey is so much longer than your monkey brain tells you it is. Yeah. Um, it's not today. It's this year. It's not this year. It's uh, this, you know, this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I just want to say after the tears, I'm having so much fun being a mom yeah. right now. And I'm someone whose brand was tied to loathing every bit of it for about four years. <laughs> um, I love you kids. If you ever watch this, you're I'm so, I'm so grateful that you were uh, alive and all of that. Um, but I'm just having such a blast now. Yeah. Four and six, it's like this sweet spot. Um, yeah. And I wish I could go back and hug Kristen and be like, be yeah and not enjoy it yeah. I wouldn't say that yeah I would I'd and be it's like, okay yeah, like keep not suffering. to enjoy it yeah you know so we've talked about motherhood and you're really embracing it now and it makes me think too about just when people talk older people who have experienced all you know the full gamut and have raised their children just thinking about you know where they enjoyed it the most you mm -hmm. know we, we think about oh you're gonna enjoy it from the beginning it's gonna be <laughs> great you're gonna love it and you're gonna love it all the way through. And like, that's not totally true either. Like there's women, you know, we were talking about earlier who wanna have a baby to just have the baby face again. And there's women who just really can't fathom having the baby face again, but could take on an elementary school load yeah. of kids, you yeah. know? And <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but. Well, it does, and I've kind of done that. Yeah, yeah, you uh, have. Speaking back to of. what I'm doing, <laughs> um, I think one of, you know this. I love one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. They are absolutely life-giving to me. Um, I leave conversations filled up no matter who I'm talking to. This is like my love language. And I do think in hindsight, non-verbal kids, like I get why that was uniquely draining to me, mm -hmm. is that if what I get are words and they literally can't say words, <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, no wonder that wasn't give, filling me up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if this is my thing and finding out that as they get older, I connect with them so much more deeply mm -hmm. um, through spoken words um, and finding other kids to pour into knowing that I don't think I could survive another mm -hmm. baby mentally. Mm -hmm. So do I want more and more of the good stuff? Yes. So what's my solution? 264 <laughs> high school students <laughs> that I spend Brian. several days a week with in my time with them oh my gosh, it makes me so much of a better mother mm -hmm. because I know what I'm working for. Yeah. You know, we it's were, so cool. We had been talking about that as well. In the when, Especially with your first child or maybe even into your second, you are so blind going into it. You have no clue that, you know, tomorrow, next month is going to get better. It, or not better, but it's going to be more it's manageable different, yeah. and different and evolve. It's going to evolve. It's not just going to be this one tunnel of an experience. Um, mm. And... So coming out on the other side of that, now that you have the four and six year old and there's comfort in seeing these teenagers and working with them, knowing this is where you're headed, mm -hmm. you know, and often as moms or maybe, maybe often, I'm generalizing here, 
but we just don't have the opportunity to see that anymore because of we could go into yeah. that conversation but yeah. um we don't have the opportunity to see what motherhood really is i had a thought last night yes. that i wanted to share please okay it's the three moms you need okay okay here we go this is important i came up with it last night okay we're talking <laughs> life-changing one is someone who's in the exact same phase as you mm. the exact same if you can find someone with a four and a six-year-old do due date groups help with that um the exact same face that is the person who you look at them and you go they look like crap too good we're good right when you're struggling you mm -hmm. can see the same struggle someone who is two years ahead of you because in my experience most little kid changes happen in those two-year blocks mm -hmm. where it's like a six-year-old is just massively different than a four-year-old but somehow four-year-olds are a lot like five-year-olds and five-year-olds are a lot like six-year-olds mm -hmm. so finding someone who's two years ahead they will give you hope for whatever you're in getting better and then the last one is finding someone who is two years behind you. Mm -hmm. Because what they can remind you of is either how far you've come, if they're in a tougher phase, or that something good is coming. Yeah. If they're like, when I have maybe a seven and nine year old, if that's a tough phase, I can look back and be like, oh, okay, they're four and six, right. Everything changes. <laughs> yeah. There's hope on the other side. And when I was in that little kid phase, I wasn't close to anyone else physically mm -hmm. who had babies at the same time they were all two and four years older than me so I was like yeah it must be nice <laughs> like a lot of resentment yeah. for their kids that are now at my kids age and I'm like yeah it freaking was nice <laughs> yeah. but I was missing that like forward I mean that that's this the present and mm -hmm. then that backwards thing and maybe it's even just people you follow on social media mm -hmm. but even even like kind of looking back or helping or it's offering help and offering experience to that mom as well to help build your own confidence as you bring totally. forward your, your totally. own too. That's, that's a really novel. Well, <laughs> I was totally inspired. I, I maybe shed a tear in bed thinking oh. about just how <laughs> lucky you are to have some of my insight. <laughs> 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 just all. kidding, completely. <laughs> and I mean, at the end of the day, like most gifts, most real gifts that we get in this life are heavy yeah they're heavy and like what a joy um what a joy to get to do this even on the days that it is not joyful at all so what is something that you share or you know when you think moms who are just kind of surviving day to day and even in our own lives mm -hmm. we're still surviving we're still in the thick of it so when moms who are really just in survival mode um mm -hmm. you even mentioned yourself your own self-care is like truly being alone mm -hmm. and you know building how can mm. a mom find that space to identify really what she needs I found a lot of support in the recovery community um, specifically in like the 12 steps um, and I'm, I'm not someone who has struggled with addiction in sort of the traditional sense but I found myself drawn to a lot of the language um, just for my mental health and a big part of that in the recovery community is like every day is day one mm. And every day is like your last day. Yeah. And I, I'm just like, you know, trigger warning real quick. I'm about to talk about suicidal ideation. Um, I struggled with wanting my life to be over a lot in the first year of my second child's life. Um, he is absolutely me in every way, um, which is, and, and himself, you know, again, future Francis, you're not just me, but whatever. Um, it was a test. I mean, all the parts of myself that I hadn't found ways to love yet 
mm. were suddenly in my arms 24 hours a day. He's relentless. He demands attention. He like will be hurt <laughs> from the day he was born. He will be hurt. <laughs> All of that was so triggering, um, triggering for me because I saw myself and I didn't love me. So how could I love this version of myself in real time? Um, and what I was working with was like, I need to make it till tomorrow. Mm. I need to make it till tomorrow. And that is enough. And, and within that, right, I have to feed my baby. I have to get my job done so I can pay bills. I have to connect with my partner because if he leaves, this roller coaster gets a lot weirder, <laughs> right? If I'm driving, are you kidding me? Um, but every day, every day has to be enough. And that applies when you're out of the woods, but it was so comforting to me when I was in the woods. And, mm -hmm. and this is, I mean, dark, but the idea would always get to be there tomorrow that I could, that I could leave, mm -hmm. that I could be done. Right. Like you were comfortable. Yeah. And, 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 and I didn't have to let go of the thought that I didn't want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. But that thought would keep until tomorrow mm -hmm. as long as I did. Right. Mm -hmm. As long as I could keep until tomorrow, I could hold on to that like a security blanket, which it was at the time. Right. Is that, OK, this doesn't have to be forever. That was that was the only message. Right. And yeah. what I found, what what Kristen now is saying to her is it literally isn't forever. Right. Right. But in that moment, all I could all I could hear, the only way I could receive that message was from the part of my brain that was like, maybe it won't be forever. Mm. Maybe there's an off switch. Maybe there's a way out. And the way out is through. But right. you don't hear that in the fog of mm -mm. depression and anxiety. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I set daily goals for myself, daily goals, not to work out <laughs> daily goals to survive the day <laughs> right. daily. The goal is the day um, and it, it helped and it still helps on dark days where I'm like, hey, you know, are you fed? Are you watered? Have you slept? But I would I would go to bed. Mm -hmm. um, a, I just I love sleeping so much. Sometimes I wonder if like my ideation about not living is more just like I just really like to sleep. <laughs> just, I just want like lots of extra night night. Um, but, you know, go to bed, tuck yourself in and make it till tomorrow. Yeah. Those thoughts can still be there. And then one day they weren't right. Mm -hmm. I woke up. I quit my job. I woke up and they weren't there anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I do think that saying to myself on those days, like having made it, having not done anything too stupid was enough. And it was. Yeah. I mean, I think we have the tincture of time to look back and say, no, factually, it was enough. Absolutely. At the time, it's like a mantra. But in hindsight, go off, sis. And true, like. Slay. <laughs> Slay. Stanley. <laughs> um, we, one of the things we all think like what is enough like you know is it 100 percent all day every day is it showing up every day and like if you're 100 or if you're showing up and survival is 25 percent that day then that is enough mm -hmm. you know and if you're showing up for yourself if you're you know carrying through um it's not about reaching that 100 percent mark like none of us do mm. a girlfriend and i are talking about redefining winning and losing and losing means losing yourself and winning means everything else. Yeah. And it's been so liberating to kind of squeeze my life through that paradigm. Because if we think there's degrees of losing, no, there's not, there's one loss. Mm -hmm. And that would be me not choosing to go till tomorrow. Everything else is just a degree of a win. Yeah. It's a small win, it's a big win, it's a monumental win. Um, and I wish more people viewed motherhood through that lens of like, if you're still showing up for your kid the next day, first place prize here's a, here's a freaking medal <laughs> and we good. should and it's not about and I, we're so inundated with social media and with the pressures of society and the instability within society to achieve those mm. you know accolades um 
you know, we have to be okay with just being ourselves is enough. Mm -hmm. And being, our, being who you are for your child is more than enough. Yeah. You don't have to be anybody else. Yeah. And I, when talking to new moms, they still feel, or still, I don't think judgment is ever going to end, but just the sadness I feel when they still feel judged mm -hmm. and the, the journey they have to go through to get to this point where it doesn't matter, yeah. you know, and maybe some people don't ever, will never get to that point, but, you know, planting that seed of just, you are enough. I feel like us as millennial Gen X moms, we are going to feel a wave of profound healing when Gen Z as like a not, you know, there's some, of course, some moms in Gen Z right now, but when that generation is parenting publicly, mm -hmm. we are just gonna, we are gonna have a healing yeah. effect as, as millennials if, if we choose to witness it. And I hope that we do mm -hmm. um, because this generation, my goodness, they're just incredible mm -hmm. and they embrace everything with authenticity. For them, the rare thing is pretending to be someone that they're not. That's such a beautiful thing because since our inception with everything around us, it's always been about perfection mm -hmm. and smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And um, I can remember posing in the hospital hours after giving birth, trying to look exceptionally skinny yeah. for having just given birth so that I could post that. It wasn't enough that I had a literally perfect baby and like a great birth and a fine partner and a huge glass of water. Yeah. I was like, oh, 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 people are gonna be like, wow. Yeah, like I'm what? Get so many likes. I was performing in the yeah, delivery yeah. room. Right. And I mean, I, I will go, there are parts of TikToks right now, and there's some millennial moms who are still in the baby phase that are embracing it too. One of my favorites is Amber Filler Up. Um, Barefoot Blonde was her name when we were, you know, first giving birth. <laughs> but in her, this is her fourth kid, and she is like boldly embracing her postpartum body for the first time um, in any of her public pregnancies. And I am like, every time I see one of her posts, I'm sobbing. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I remember when me and you, because we're friends, when we <laughs> both had to, you know, get in shape after our first kid, and like, you look so, like, we're, we're doing it yeah. now. We yeah. are, and the speed of healing is so much faster. Mm -hmm. Like my mom had her mom's crap almost identically. It changed by like five degrees. And in some ways, you know, early in the millennial Gen X motherhood thing, we were like 10 degrees off from our mom. Yeah. And within five years, it's like a 180. Wow. And I just, I'm, ex I'm excited. I'm excited about the prospects for moms. I'm excited about knowing that all of our generation is in therapy. So yeah. we're going to not wait till we're 80 to yeah. <laughs> well, figure it out. Hearing you say that gives me, you know, because I don't know what the future generation looks like. I don't, I don't have experience with Gen Z um, and any certain unembarrassing level. <laughs> <laughs> only the embarrassing parts no um, they're but the promise mm. that they that they have so is really exciting the first day of class out loud just one thing a student told me um, they weren't feeling really great because they just started their period and they were having super bad cramps and they were saying it at full volume to someone they had just met and like with guys at their table and I was like like what's gonna happen? Nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler, nothing. Yeah, yeah. it was. They're it's like, incredible, oh, and it's. I mean, yeah. Just the future is in good hands. Just. So speaking of me. the future, <laughs> I, I do trust you. <laughs> Questionable. I know you don't. I don't. I know you don't feel that safe, but I feel it is very safe. <laughs> um, so as we kind of like wrap up and you know think about it, we kind of want to end on in the future. Like you're still in there right? Mm -hmm. So as a mom, we lose our identities. We're not prepared in any way to lose our identity. And just thinking about, mm. you know, a conversation we were having earlier was, 
you know, I just, I wish that I could just go and have dinner with my friends on a whim like I used to. And maybe some mm. families can do that. That's great. <laughs> don't want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, stop boasting about it. Um, <laughs> but we're not at that phase, yeah. and we will get there. Mm -hmm. But it's like there's still a piece of us that is still there and still ready to appear mm. when we get through this phase yeah. of motherhood. And, you know, <laughs> how do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I love, I love the question, and, and I think it's so important because inner child work matters. Um, I've done a lot of inner child work in my years of therapy, and one of the things that we talk about is, like, you don't have to find her. Mm. She's there. You don't have to find her. She's right there. She's, she's right there. there. Yeah, there's no, like, process of, like, you don't, ha you don't need a map. Yeah. Um, and the you that you miss is just waiting. Mm -hmm. She's not dead. She's not fractured. She's not irrevocably um, lost. She's there. Yeah. And, and you, those moments when you see her are real. And those moments that she tucks back away, like she's hibernating. Mm -hmm. she's, she was tired. She was <laughs> tired when you got pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are parts of me that when I did first feel back in my body, I overdid it so much. And who I am now is this alchemy of the earliest stages of motherhood when I was fully, you know, fully alone mm -hmm. and who I was before, which was never really outside of the gaze. And, and who I really am and really was is somewhere in between those things. Mm -hmm. She loves to be alone. She loves to be with people. Um, she wants to be perceived. If you perceive her, she will never forgive you, right? I'm, I'm multitudes and mm -hmm. I always have been and, and we all are, but you don't stop existing because you don't get to perform your existence mm -hmm. in the same way you used to. Um, and when you're ready, she's right there. Right. Like she's right there. And she's not impatient. I think that's another thing is like, we almost project impatience onto ourselves. Like I wanna be hot, I wanna be young, I wanna be thin, I wanna be who I was. And it's like, uh, you're so much better. Yeah. By virtue of continuing you know, to choose the next day and the next day, um, you are all those things and you're, you're more. Um, yeah. And I, I don't, there was a period where I missed who I was before, and now I know that you can't miss someone who's not gone. Like, she's right there. She's right here. She's, she's crazy. That, she's in that Just three like way me. high five. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bud. That three-way high five again. Yeah. Showed up. Showed yeah. up for you. But Thanks she always does. Doing. Yeah, of course. Thank you for being here and always being vulnerable and sharing space with everyone, because we can all identify with that. Um, so I appreciate all you're doing as well. So hey, I'm having fun. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. This has been Motherhood Behind the Scenes with the always wonderful uh, Kristen Giant. We always appreciate you. And thank you for showing us. Is, that, is this, this is something the Gen that Z I can heart. do? I'm just going to stick yeah, you with do the, the millennial, millennial heart. Yeah, we're coming together <laughs> okay. to heal the generation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Love you, Kristen. Love you more. <laughs> That's true. <laughs>